You must want to change your language habits, realizing that this will please God and benefit your life. This is the ninth message in the series, Smart Living. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. I've been talking over the last several weeks about what it means to live a smart life. And when we use that word smart in our today's culture, we tend to think of technology or we tend to think of IQ or academic achievements. That person is smart. But the Bible gives us a little different understanding of smartness. In fact, according to Scripture, the word smart can actually better be described in one term, and that is the word wisdom, that God wants to cause us to develop and grow in wisdom in our lives. So you can have a great educational background, a lot of academic degrees, and you can actually be an educated fool, which none of us want to be. But we want to learn the wisdom of God. That is the knowledge of God that allows us to live our lives differently according to God's plan. And there's one book in the Bible, actually all 66 books of the Bible, but there's one particular book that focuses on wisdom. Its whole focus is about wisdom. And that book is the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs was written by a king named Solomon. He was the third king of Israel. And when he took over the rulership of Israel from his father David, he felt very intimidated in taking over that role. And so he prays a prayer. He asks God for wisdom. And God pours out this incredible amount of wisdom upon him. And uh, we have the book of Proverbs as a, as a sort of a heritage of that wisdom given to Solomon by the Holy Spirit and again inspired for our benefit. We're encouraging you during this series to read through the book of Proverbs, uh, to get it into a habit pattern of your life. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. It makes it very easy to read through the book uh, one time every month. Just take a chapter of the book of Proverbs uh, that corresponds with the day of the month and read that chapter. Today is the 19th of June, and so you'll read the 19th chapter of Proverbs. And again, uh, 31 chapters in the book, and those months that have 31 days, you can easily complete the book uh, during a month, perhaps even 10, 12 times a year, you can go through this book in addition to your regular, uh, your regular devotional duties. Today, I want to talk about one aspect of the wisdom of God that we find in the book of Proverbs. We talked about lots of different things, but today our focus really is upon one primary thing. What does the Bible say or the book of Proverbs say to us? What is the wisdom of God for us regarding the vocabulary of our lives, how we speak the words that we use? And whether you realize it or not, perhaps some of you will because of your study of the book of Proverbs, but uh, the book of Proverbs contains lots of verses related to our speech, related to our words, our vocabulary. I'm going to give you just a little sampling of these, uh, and we'll walk them together as I begin to lay a foundation for today's message. Listen to Proverbs 12, 13, and 14. The wicked are trapped by their own, what's the next word there? words, obviously, right? But the godly escape such trouble. Wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings rewards. And so we see there the promise that wise words is beneficial. Proverbs 13, verse number 2 and 3 says, from the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things. The fruit of your lips are the words that you speak. Those who guard their, their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 13, 2 and 3 from the New Living Translation says, wise words will win you a good meal. Anybody say amen to that? Okay. Looking for a good meal? Give some compliments to the chef, okay? 
Wise words will give you a good meal. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Anybody been there before? We all have, right? Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. You, have, you, you will have to live with the consequences of everything you say. What you, what you say can preserve life or destroy it, so you must accept the consequences of your words. Proverbs 18, 21 from the New Century Version says, What you say can mean life or death. Those who speak will, with care will be rewarded. And I could go on and on with many passages. Those are only five that I've given you. We'll look at others as we go through today's message that really help us to understand that the book of Proverbs, this great book of wisdom, includes this understanding that you have to pay attention to your words, your mouth, your words, your language, your vocabulary is extremely important to God. And wise people learn how to manage their mouth very well. So let me talk to you about five things today that will help us on this journey of getting better control of our tongues and learning how to better manage our mouths. Number one, we must understand that our words are the very thing that are creating the path for our lives. Your words, whether you realize it or not, are going to lead and guide and direct your life. Like the rudder of a ship, we did an entire series on that a while back. Like the rudder of a ship, your words create a path for you. They create the direction for your life. I'll give you a few examples. You express your desires in words. When you say, I want, and then you fill in the blank, you're saying, this is the desire that I'm seeking after in my life. You set your priorities by your words. You say, this is important to me. And so many of you have articulated, in fact, in recent days, well, I, this is really important to me. And you name something that is a high value in your life. And so your words set your desires and your words set your priorities. Your words communicate your choices. I will do such and such. You're confirming or affirming the choices or the volition, the, the, the decisions of your life, and your words also communicate your commitments. When you say, I agree to do this, you're affirming with your words what you're going to be committed to, whether it's your wants or your priorities or your choices or your commitments. Your words are setting the direction of your life. When you say the right words, you head in the right direction. When you speak the wrong words about the wrong things, you always, we always get ourselves in trouble. And so your words are directing the path of your life. Number two, your words seed your future. I'm not sure if we have any farmers in the room or anyone that grew up on a farm or you have some experience with agriculture, but farmers will tell you this. A good harvest doesn't just happen. You don't just walk out and sort of bless your field and then an amazing crop comes up. No, a good farmer will tell you, you know, there's lots of different stages to farming. You have to, you have to nurture the soil. You have to plow it at the right time. You have to make sure it's ready for the seed. And then you have to plant the right seed in accordance with the harvest that you want to receive. If you want wheat, you don't plant corn seed and vice versa. And so there's a, there's a correlation between the soil and the seed and the harvest. And the same is true in our life. If you're going to get the right kind of harvest, you have to have the right kind of seed. And according to Scripture, your words are like seeds that you plant, and your words will, in many ways, determine your life. 
life experience. And every time you speak, you're planting a seed. Notice some verses that emphasize this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 11. A city becomes great when the righteous give it their their blessing. They speak blessed words over their city, but a city is brought to ruin by the words of the wicked. Notice that the, a city, even any kind of a family or an organization, an institution, a municipality can actually be blessed when the right people speak the right things over it. I think that you would agree with me that much of our culture today is being torn apart by the wrong words. Going to get an amen right there, okay? that we're seeing our nation go the wrong way because just oftentimes the words that are being spouted by people, it's like seeds of destruction that are being planted all around us. And we wonder why are the institutions of our nation beginning to crumble? It's because oftentimes the things that we're saying and the kind of atmosphere we're creating with the seeds that are coming from our mouths. Proverbs 12, 14 says, your reward depends on what you say. And what you do, not just what you do, but what you say and what you do, you will get what you deserve. Proverbs 13, 2 says, wise words will win a good meal. We read it a moment ago. But treacherous people have an appetite for violence. And the same principle is not just in the book of Proverbs. It runs all through the pages of the Bible, including into the New Testament, where this principle of planting and reaping, sowing and reaping, is very clearly articulated by the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, when he clearly says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Read the rest with me, if you will. A man reaps what he sows. A person is going to reap what they sow in their life. And I often will tell people, I've told people over the years, and I've preached about this before, and I'm sure I'll preach about it again, and I try to remember this in my own life. If you don't like the harvest you're reaping in your life, perhaps you need to consider the seed you're sowing. If you don't like what the harvest is in your life, Instead of cursing your harvest, step back for a moment and ask yourself the question, what kind of seed am I sowing? Because if you want to improve your harvest, you have to improve the quality of your seed. You have to change the seed to good seed so there is a good harvest. Here's our third thing today. We're talking about wisdom, the wisdom of God, getting smart, living smartly, And the third thing that we need to understand as a part of this lesson today is that your words are going to build or destroy. Your words are going to build or your words are going to destroy. Our words will either promote life in other people or deal death to us and to others. See, when you speak words, they actually have power. Many of you know this. Some of you have suffered in life because of something someone said to you when you were a child. It might have been a word of a parent, a curse that they spoke upon you in some way. Maybe it was the words of rejection or abandonment that they spoke into your life. Or maybe it was a a teacher that said something that cut you to the core of your being or an athletic coach or a friend or some other significant person in your life. And it, it damaged you in your soul. As the old statement says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not true at all. Words hurt very, very deeply. 
They go to the core of our being, and so reckless words can destroy our lives. But also, many of you have been the, been, been the beneficiary of people who've spoken good and positive words in your life. Maybe you had a, a parent that, was, that spoke words of encouragement and believed in you and spoke words that said, you can succeed, or a teacher, or a coach, or some other significant person. And so our words have power. They have the ability to build or they have the ability to destroy. They set the path of your life. They're the seeds of your life and they determine whether you're destroying things with your life or whether you are building things with your life. Proverbs 11 verse 9, the first part of that verse says, with their mouths the godless destroy their neighbors. Proverbs 12 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. Have you ever been cut by the words of someone else? Has someone ever pulled out their vocabulary? It was like a knife, a dagger that began to swing around and just cut you up on the inside. No one could see that you were bleeding, but you were bleeding on the inside because of the reckless sword words, cutting words that came down into your soul. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we also hopefully have had moments when the tongue of the wise brought healing to our lives. Proverbs 15, 4 says, a tree gives good fruit. Healing words give what? Life. Proverbs 18, 21, we read it a moment ago. Let me read it again from today's English version. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. And this, again, is found in the New Testament, not just in the book of Proverbs, but it comes over into the teaching uh, given to us by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29. Listen to what he says about this. Do not, notice that, do not, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that do what? build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. The Bible is very clear and it declares to us and reminds us over and over again that our words have the power of speaking life or dealing death to not only to others but also to ourselves. Let me talk about that just for a moment because you not only speak to other people, you often will speak to you. You have conversations with yourself, do you not? It's called self-talk. And all of us have self-talk. We have words that we speak to ourselves. And if we're not careful, we can speak very damaging words to our very own soul. We may be nice to others and very cruel to ourselves. Sometimes the worst word you will ever speak will never be to another person. But there'll be words that you will speak to yourself. You're dumb. You're stupid. You'll never do anything right. And you begin to think these thoughts and speak these words to yourself. And, and so what you're doing is you're actually destroying the potential of your own life by the words that you speak instead of declaring, I am a child of God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have gifts that have been given to me by God. By God. God's favor rests upon me. See, that's a different vocabulary than the words of destruction. So are you speaking life to others? Are you speaking life to yourself? Are you speaking or, or creating death in others? Are you creating death and destruction in your own soul? So people who live smart are builders, not destroyers. They're healers, not hurters. When you speak words that hurt and destroy, you're doing the work of the devil. Let me say that again. 
Let's let that sit there just for a moment. Did you hear what I said? When you and I speak words that destroy, you know whose work we're doing? We're doing the work of the devil because he's known as the great destroyer. Okay? That's one of his names in, in the Bible. He is the destroyer. And so when our vocabulary lines up with words of destruction, then in essence, we're actually doing the work of darkness rather than, than, than propagating and communicating the words of life. Here's our fourth lesson today. We have five together. Number four is that you and I, both of us, need a new vocabulary. God wants to teach all of us a new vocabulary. It's called the language of wisdom. It's called the language of life. He wants you to understand. He wants me to understand the right way to talk, the right way to speak. Proverbs 16, verse 23 says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. But here is the deal. We all have a problem. We've learned another language. Our native language is not language of life. Our native language tends to be the language of death. We learned it because we're sinful beings. All of us are sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we are born with a sinful bend toward selfishness and toward destruction and toward pushing away from God. And so we, we have sin in ourselves that we have to contend with. And that sin often comes out through our tongues, through our mouths. We live in a broken, sinful world. And so we've learned the language of the world around us. Let me describe for just a moment the language of the world and the language of sin and self. They're deceptive words. People are not oftentimes truthful in the way that they speak. And they're oftentimes divisive words, pushing people apart instead of bringing people together. The, the language of the world is the language of gossip and the language of slander. See, that's not kingdom language. That's the kingdom of darkness talking when there's gossip and slander and the destruction of someone's reputation by words that are being passed around. The words of the world are impure and obscene and they're profane words and words of blasphemy we hear around us practically every day. Someone taking the name of the Lord in vain. It's not thought of very much anymore as something that we need to be concerned about. All the profanity and obscenity even on our television sets that you used to never hear on television. It's around us all all the time, blasphemy, profanity, proud words, people boasting and proclaiming who they are, poisonous words, words that are poisoning the minds of other people, flattery, insincerity, all these things, bitter words, harsh words, angry words, derogatory words. These, these represent the words of the world, the language that we have learned, and most of us speak those, that language fairly easily, do we not? It's really quiet in here today. Okay? <laughs> That's the language we have a tendency to speak. It's the language of sin. It's the language of the world around us. It comes naturally to us to speak words like this. But by the way, that's not the language of God. Amen? God wants to teach us a new vocabulary. Why? Because you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, okay? You, you are a citizen of heaven. And I will tell you something, when you become a citizen of another nation, 
you learn the language of that nation. Amen. And so if you're a citizen of heaven, you and I need to be learning the language of heaven. We need to speak as God speaks. We need to learn God-like language. And so what I thought I would do over the next few moments is to give you 10 characteristics of God-like language. That'd be okay? Okay. Just 10 characteristics. I, they could, there, there's probably a hundred of these that I could share with you. I'm just going to give you 10 of them. I'll not be able to cover, obviously, all of them, but let me give them to you. And they'll, they'll be on your notes. Let me walk you through them. They'll be on the screens as well. Number one, God language is truthful language. God is a true God, and He tells the truth. God never lies. And so he wants us to be truthful in the way that we speak as well, that there's no deception in us. The language of heaven is a language that is thoughtful, that we think before we speak, that there's a sense in which that we're processing what we say with filters before. See, God is very, very selective in what he says. God doesn't just run off words. God has thought about what he wants to communicate, and he communicates in a thoughtful way, and in the same way, we should do that also. And I'll come back to that one in a moment. God, you never thought perhaps of this before, but God is a God of actually few words. Think about it for a moment. The God of the universe wanted to communicate His message to us in this book called the Bible, and there are 66 books in the Bible, only 66 books, and God said everything He wanted to say in 66 books. Some of you need 75 books just to tell how your day went, okay, okay. (laughs) But think about it. God, the God of the universe, said I only need 66 books. To communicate. And I'll come back to that one again in a moment. Gentle words are also the words of God. God deals gently with us. Even when he corrects us, he does so in such a gentle fashion. He speaks helpful words to us. Words that bring help to our lives. The language of heaven is a language that is loving and gracious. That God is a God that communicates with compassion. And communicates with love and with grace. And he wants us to speak words that are the same. Words that are based in and saturated with. And we might say baptized with the spirit of love. And baptized in an attitude of grace toward others. God's language is a language that is restorative. God is never looking to put someone down. God is always looking to build and bring somebody back up. Aren't you glad for that? Okay. And in the same way that you and I, in our relationships with people, instead of putting down and, and destroying, it's been said that only little people be little people. Okay. Only little people be little people. And so big people know how to restore. Big people know how to build up. The Bible says one of the characteristics of someone who is truly spiritual is they have the ability to restore those who have fallen. And so our words need to be words that are restorative. The language of heaven is a selfless language. It is a language that is not always focused on me and my needs. It is a reliable language that when you say something, people can count on you. I remember the days, even in my own life, and certainly going back to my father and grandfather, that many even business deals were done just by a word. There was no contract. Nobody signed a bunch of legalese to to agree to something. All they needed to do was say, here's my word, and this is what I will do, and their word was there bond. Do you remember that statement? That's not the truth anymore. You can't, you've got to have, you know, 50 pages of legalese to agree to actually, you know, purchase uh, something on Facebook from somebody. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a bit, but you understand the principle. Okay. We need to be reliable in what we say. We also need to be tactful. 
I love the way God speaks. God is straightforward, but he's also very tactful. He, to be tactful is to be able to speak in a way that doesn't create undue offense in someone. That you actually, it goes back to the idea of thoughtful. And I want to highlight that just for a moment. These are not on your notes. If I had a screen up here, I would write it out for you, but I don't. So you're going to have to take the, take the notes here for you. I'm going to give you the word think, T-H-I-N-K. So if you're taking notes, just write it down uh, uh, vertically, okay? T-H-I-N-K. I'm going to give you a word to go with each one of those that will help you to filter, to know how to filter your language. So you're speaking the God kind of language. So what's the big word again with it? What is it? Think. Think. Are you guys alive here? Let me ask again. What is it? Think. Think. Okay. So we've all heard the phrase, think before you speak, speak, right? Make sure that your mind is in gear before your mouth is in motion. Okay. So think before you speak. So what does that mean? I'll give you the definition. Number one, before you say anything, T, make sure it's true. Okay. Make sure it's true. Okay. Don't want to be spreading false things. H, make sure it's going to be helpful. Okay. If it's not going to be helpful, you don't need to say anything. Okay. I, make sure it's inspiring. There's your word. Okay. That it builds light. That it inspires other people. N, make sure it's necessary. Okay. Some things you just don't need to say. It's not necessary for you to say by the way, did you know it's not necessary for you to give your opinion in every situation? <laughs> actually, some people don't even care about your opinion. You ever notice? I don't really care. You don't actually have to give your opinion on everything that happens. And a lot of our fights and our quarrels and our squabbles that happen between people is because people are just spousing things that are not even necessary to talk about. Okay? So is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Am I communicating this in a kind way? So would you help me with that again? What is the T? Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? If you'll use that filter... It will change a lot of the way that you speak. In fact, it perhaps will help you speak a lot less than you actually do. (laughs) Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, If you talk a lot, you are sure to sin. If you're wise, you will keep quiet. Proverbs 17 28 says, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) Proverbs 21 23, Watch your tongue. And keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. I want to mention one more thing before I go to my last point here today, and that's this. When it comes to language, please remember it's not just what you say. It's also what you listen to, okay? Your mouth and your ears go together. And so we have to be careful in our communication because communication is, again, not just what we're saying, but also what we're taking in, what we're listening to we're paying attention to. For example, if you are a person that people come to with gossip and you listen to gossip on a consistent basis, they're going to keep coming to you with gossip and that gossip is going to affect your soul. It's going, you may not be saying it, you may not be a gossiper yourself, but you're participating in gossip because your ears are taking it in. Okay. Amen? Okay. 
There have been times in my life when I've been around a situation where someone is telling an unclean joke, a dirty joke, and, and I've got to figure out. Oh, and they may not know that I'm a pastor. Usually, if, I know, if they know that I'm a pastor, those don't come up, generally speaking, okay? It's amazing how people change their behavior as soon as they know you're a pastor. I've had people almost burn holes in their pocket with their cigarettes because they found out I was a pastor. I'm just like, go ahead, pull the cigarette out. I see the smoke coming from your pocket. It's okay, all right, okay. Before you set yourself on fire and me on fire, just go ahead. I know it. Okay, it's not going to send you to hell. It'll get you to heaven faster, but it's not going to send you to hell. Let's just go and get this over. So people change their behavior as soon as they know you're a pastor. So if somebody doesn't know I'm a pastor, they start telling a dirty joke. I've got to make a decision. I'm not telling the joke. But my ears are perhaps about to hear it, and so I have to make a decision. What am I going to do? And there have been times that I've walked away from this. Excuse me for a second. I need to excuse myself. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be, I'm holier than you, you lousy, dirty sinner. You telling such a joke like that. You don't have to do that. That's not the way to do it. You're not holier. You just are trying to protect yourself from the stuff that you don't need to hear and let it come in. Because what comes in, listen to me, what comes in, what comes in goes here, okay? gets in your heart. And once it gets in your heart, eventually it may very well come out your mouth, okay? Because the Bible said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, okay? So not only should we guard our mouth, but guard our ears. Proverbs 17, verse 4 says, evil people listen to what? Evil words. Let me give you our last point here today. Anybody glad you came to church today? Aren't you glad you came? Okay. Number five, your words are your choice. You know, when it comes to learning a new language, people have to choose whether they want to learn it or not. Okay. There are people that, for example, I, I've traveled many, many times, many, many, many different places around the world, certainly many, many times to Central and South America. And I realized that if I'm going to survive in that country, okay, or any of those countries in Central or South America, I need to learn words like, you know, baño. <laughs> right? Okay. That helps you tremendously. And then you say, what is that? That's bathroom. Okay. It helps to know that word. Okay. Okay. There are all kinds of words you need to know because if you don't know them, you're going to be in trouble. And so you have to learn the language of the culture. And so... But it's a choice you make. You have to do some studying to do that. And the same is true for believers to learn the language of heaven, the language of God. You've got to want to do it. You've got to put some effort into it. And the choice is yours. God is never going to grab your tongue and just make it holy overnight. It's a purification process. God wants to purify our tongues. He wants to wash and cleanse the words of our mouth. Let me ask you this question. Who are God's agents in the world, church? Who are God's agents in the world? We are, right? Who does the world need to hear the love of God from? If they don't hear it from us, where are they going to hear it? Okay. If we're speaking just like the world speaks, nobody's going to pay attention to us. We need to have a different vocabulary so that the world is able to say, my goodness, they're saying something different and it's refreshing. They're saying something different and it's life-giving. They're saying something different and instead of destroying, it's, it's building up. Their words are different. It's coming from a different place. And it represents a God who loves people and who loves and concerned about humanity. So God says, would you learn the language? 
It's not easy. Learning any new language is not easy, especially as we've been really uh, grounded in another language. To learn a new language is never an easy thing, but it's a necessary thing for us to be all that God wants us to be and to live wisely. And that's why the psalmist David, a great man, but he wrote something, actually a prayer that I think is a very important prayer for each one of us to pray every day of our lives because it's a prayer that turns us in the direction of saying, God, help me to speak your word your way. And it's found in Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. It's a prayer that I want you to read with me and let's pray together as we read it. Would you read together loud and loudly, both here in the Gaithersburg campus? Let's all read it together. Are you ready? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice what he says. May the words of my mouth, not my wife's mouth, not my husband's mouth, not my kid's mouth, not my boss's mouth, not my co-worker's mouth, but may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in whose sight? God's sight. You're my rock and you're my redeemer. Perhaps it would be a good thing that every day of your life, that as you wake up in the morning, that maybe you're plastering that somewhere on a refrigerator or on your mirror, or you look at it before you head out the door, or you reflect upon it by memorization, and you pray the prayer, Lord, today, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. You're my rock and you're my redeemer. Would you bow your head together with me as we pray? Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus, thanking you for your word. It gives instruction to us. It makes us wise. But Lord, it's not just knowing your word, it's living it. And so Lord, we would acknowledge to you today that all of us have fallen short when it comes to the words of our mouth. Lord, there have been far too many times that we've spoke, spoken words that have planted the wrong seeds. We've spoken words that have created destruction in people or destruction in situations or division or strife or anger or bitterness or all kinds of things like we've talked about today. And Lord, we confess that before you today and we ask you for your forgiveness. We pray that today would be a turning point day that for each one of us as your people, as your representatives in our world, that you would clean up our mouths, that you would wash us, that you would sanctify our tongues so that we can speak words of life, words that build and encourage. For that, we thank you. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave 
that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.